Hello, friends. Welcome and thanks for listening to the Hillcrest Covenant Church podcast. In the month of December, we've been going through the season of Advent. Advent is the season of waiting on God, waiting for his arrival at Christmas, waiting in anticipation for his second coming. Well, now the wait is over. Remember, you can watch our live stream that happens Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook, or you can find us at hillcrestthecalb.com. Grace and peace. Well, after uh, watching Patrick with the kids and hearing Kara sing, I think I have the easy part tonight. So, so I, have a, I have a confession. I've been holding on to the secret for decades, and it's time for me to come clean. I, uh, I peaked. I don't mean P-E-A-K-E-D like I peaked in life, although it's possible I did that also, but... <laughs> I meant that some 35 years ago when I was a kid, I peaked at the presents. Obviously not the presents from Santa, those didn't show up till Christmas Eve, but my parents got us presents also, um, and I knew where my mom kept them. She locked them in her closet, which I thought was incredibly rude, because it was like she didn't trust me. (laughs) But once or twice or... Maybe a time or two more than that. I actually picked the lock of her closet. I know, I hope they're not watching. I looked at the Christmas presents. I wasn't very good at waiting. Now, I don't don't really like surprises either, but I was like really not good at waiting. I I think I've gotten a lot better at it over the years, which is a good thing, because we spend an awful lot of our time waiting, don't we? Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed how much time we spend in that in that kind of hurry up and wait mode. I saw drone footage, uh, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, over Disney, over the line of cars waiting to get into Disney. And it was like nothing I had ever seen before until the drone went past the parking lot to the line of people waiting to get into the park, which was like next level insane. And it didn't show the line of people waiting to get on the rides. It obviously also didn't show the the waiting that people had to do in traffic to get there or the flights that people waited for to get there. Hurry up and wait. That's how we view so much of our lives, how we spend so much of our time. When we're kids, we make those those paper chains to count down towards Christmas or towards the end of the school year. We can't wait till we're 16 and we can drive and then we can't wait till we're 18 so we can move out or be on our own. We can't wait to graduate. We can't wait to get our first apartment, to, to buy our first car. We can't wait to get married. We can't wait to have kids. We can't wait to start our career. And then somewhere in life, I don't know where it is. I'm long past it. We get to that point where we can't wait for vacation. We can't wait for our next paycheck. We can't wait for our kids to get off of our insurance. <laughs> we can't wait for retirement. We have been doing a sermon series here at Hillcrest for the month of December on waiting. And the very first week that we did that, I mentioned that I have this meme saved on my phone that says, adulting is just saying, things will get better next week until we die. We seem to constantly be waiting for something. There's, there's the monotonous kind of waiting that we do without even really thinking about it where we wait on hold, we wait in traffic on our way home from work, we wait for our friend to show up for coffee, we wait for the oven timer to go off, 
for the commercial to end. That's the kind of waiting that we do without really, without really giving it a whole lot of thought. The kind of waiting that consumes whole minutes of our days that we seem not to really pay much attention to. And then there's the waiting where we experience some kind of anticipation along with it. We're, we're waiting to refresh our browser to see if our grades came through or to see if we got into the college we wanted. We're waiting for that baby to be born into our family. We're waiting for our whole family to be together again. We're waiting for good news from the doctor. We're, we're waiting for our offer to be accepted. This waiting has some heightened emotion attached to it, doesn't it? This kind of waiting is, is a little more active. It's a little more involved. It consumes more of our time, more of our energy, more of our emotion. We're much more aware of each minute or each day that passes when we are involved in that kind of waiting. And yet still there is another kind of waiting. And it's one that we don't necessarily like to talk about. And so we don't. This is the kind of waiting that usually happens in isolation. Not because it needs to and not because it should, but often because we don't want other people to know about it. It's the kind of waiting that says, I don't want to feel this way anymore. My relationship is not what I had hoped it would be. I don't want this marriage to feel like this anymore. This job that I was once so excited about is now draining the life for me, and I don't want to feel this way anymore. The hopes that I had for my future have not unfolded the way that I thought they would, and I don't want to feel like a failure anymore. I don't want to be consumed by this addiction anymore. The grief, the pain, the loss, it seems unbearable, and I, I don't want to feel this way anymore. Or maybe we say, I, I don't know, my life is fine. But if I'm being honest, I feel like there maybe should be more to life than this. Or I feel lost. I feel unsure about who I am or what I'm supposed to be doing, unsure about whether or not any of this matters or, or if I matter at all. Sometimes waiting looks like not wanting to feel this way anymore. It's not the kind of waiting that we make paper chains for. Because we're not sure if or when this kind of waiting will ever end. And so we, we end up looking for hope wherever we can find it. We plan another vacation in hopes that some of that time off might make the wait a little more tolerable. We spend another evening doom scrolling on our phones trying to distract ourselves. We eat or shop or drink in hopes that that brief chemical shakeup in our brain will be enough to forget the pain of waiting for things to be different. All the while, we'll just hope that things will get better soon. After this semester is finished, after this project at work dies down, after we move, after the kids graduate, we hope that things will be better next week, after the long weekend, after the Christmas break. We hope that the secret is found in the flip of a calendar to a brand new year. Hopefully, hopefully 2024 is going to be better, right? How many years have we been saying that? But this is why I'm so excited that we gather on this night. It's why I get so excited for this night every single year. I know, as Pastor Bill mentioned, that we are all here for all kinds of different reasons. Some of you are here by choice. Some of you are here because of family obligation. 
Some of you are here because you haven't quite tamed that religious guilt that you grew up with. Some of you are here maybe out of curiosity. Lots of reasons we're here. I'm so thankful that you're all here. And not one of you, not one of you is here by accident. I know this sounds like a line, but I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. I'm not certain about a whole lot in this life, but I am certain that the answers we are looking for are not found in the flip of a calendar. A new year is not going to bring with it the end of our waiting. Neither January 1st nor as many resolutions as you want to make are really going to change us, at least not in in a profound way. Listen to what poet Esme Partridge said. She said, take heart. The answer isn't enclosed in the secret space of the new year. The answer has already come. The one who invented the very idea of time submitted himself to its limitations. The eternal one was confined to a body that felt tired and got dirty and could die. By becoming a fragile ball of cells in the dark of an ordinary womb, he made himself accessible to us. Now, in days of darkness or confusion, we can know the one who looks after all things. In our grief, he helps us heal. In our disappointment, he helps us dance. In our fear, he remains faithful. He says, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I am coming soon. He has come for you. Rejoice. The waiting is over. The old things have passed away. And behold, I am making all things new. Why do we gather to celebrate the birth of this baby over 2,000 years ago? We gather to proclaim once more that the wait is over. And I know, I know it's easy for us to look around and go, what, what wait is over? Because as soon as I change out of these church clothes, I'm going back to the same life and the same family and the same job and the same school and the same problems. So what wait is really over tonight? Well, the part of you that waits and wonders if this life matters doesn't have to wait anymore because Jesus was born this night. And the part of your soul that waits and wonders if you matter doesn't have to wait anymore because Jesus was born this night. And I don't want to spend our time simply retelling the story of the night that Jesus was born. I want you to understand what that night means for you. We keep telling the story year after year because it matters to our very real lives at this exact moment in time. Sure, Jesus' birth is not going to eliminate the fact that we're going to have to keep waiting in traffic. It doesn't change the fact that we are going to lose precious hours of our lives that we are never going to get back on a phone yelling, customer service, (laughs) waiting to speak to a real person. His birth isn't going to change that, I'm sorry. His birth is not going to make doctors speed up the time that it takes them to give us test results. It's not going to make your spouse get ready any faster, and it's not going to eliminate the lines at Disney World. But the birth of Jesus does mean that we have a God who knows what it is to be human, a God who knows what it is to hurt, he knows what it is to suffer, and he knows what it is to celebrate. 
Jesus knows what it is to watch people that he loved turn against each other, and he knows what it is to see people hold each other up. He knows what injustice feels like, and he knows what fighting against injustice looks like. He watched the marginalized kick to the curb, and he welcomed the marginalized as friends. Jesus knows hope and joy, and he also knows the sting of illness and grief and death. They called him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Think of how important it is in your own life to have somebody with you, somebody who's cheering you on through your accomplishments and somebody who's willing to sit by your side when you are struggling. The wait is over because Jesus became a child of humanity so that humanity could become children of God. The wait is over because in his love for us, God chose to enter into this mess of a life with us. And so we need to know that we don't have to wait in this life alone. And in fact, we were not created to. That God loves us enough to be present with us despite ourselves. That God loves us enough to be present with us despite what's going on around us. That God loves us enough not to keep his distance while he just watches us from afar and wishes us the best. But that God loves us enough to enter into every single solitary aspect of what it means to be human. A census was taken. Joseph and Mary traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem. She gave birth. She wrapped him in a blanket and she laid him in a manger because there was no room for him anywhere else. I'm here to announce great joy. I'm here to announce a joyful event that is meant for everybody everywhere. That's what the angel said to the shepherds when Jesus was born. Today, a savior has been born. And so we celebrate this night that even when our hope has been struck down by the weariness of this life, Jesus is here. That even when church people are the reason you don't want to come to church, Jesus is here. That even when we are unable to see God in our waiting, Jesus is here. The very one who created time submitted himself to its limitations. The very one who created human emotion submitted himself to the entire range of human emotions so that we would feel seen and known and loved more deeply, so that we would be saved from the brokenness of this world and from the brokenness of ourselves. He was confined to a body that felt tired and got dirty and could die because he knew that we would have to endure those things as well and he wanted to be in it with us. Our God, Emmanuel, a God who is as close to you as your own heartbeat and as real as the breath that you just took. A God who knows you, who understands you, who in his love for you heals and redeems you from the inside out. A God who looks after all things, including us. And so tonight, we celebrate that the wait is over. Write these words down, for they are trustworthy and true. Jesus says, I am coming soon. In fact, this night, 
I have come for you. Let's pray. God, I know that there are a lot of people in this room tonight who are used to hearing the story from Luke read every single year. The story about Mary and Joseph traveling, about giving birth on a manger, about the shepherds and the wise men, and the angels. Why do we keep telling the story? God, we're grateful to be gathered this night to be able to celebrate that story. Because the world as we knew it changed in that moment. And the moment that we individually in our own lives recognize that, our own life will change in that moment. And so we thank you, Jesus, that you loved us enough to come to earth as one of us, to be with us, to understand us, to save us, to free us, to love us. And I pray that we would know that there is not one person in this room who is outside the grip of your grace, your love, your mercy, your forgiveness. And so Jesus, this night we thank you that you came as one of us, for us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.